Greetings, family. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> We're going to have our our further higher power. My choice of my higher power is the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. My name is Fernando, alcoholic. I am from uh, beautiful downtown Tijuana, Mexico. What good can come out of Tijuana? <laughs> Only God, that's it. Only He can make good come out of anything. That's why we thank Him for all our, all the shit that goes on in our lives. Thank you, God. He can handle it. He was right there when I was going through my good, bad, and indifference in the jails and the byways and highways. Our conscience, our God, the good, loving, you know. I did not turn him, even though I tried to turn him evil, to talk evil, if my consciousness switched over to the evil side. I came back by asking for forgiveness and mercy and kindness, and he allowed me to come back into his uh, good conscious, which is uh, a lot of teachings on that, and the choice and the commitment is the thing that the alcohol and the drugs, the raging and the indifference, it did not take away, folks. I still had the ability to choose. Uh, that's what the uh, Satan and his demons and the drink and the rage, they all want to take a hold of the control systems, our will. They want to be in charge. It's just like uh, no difference than a virus. A virus wants to be in control, take charge, and duplicate itself. So when we get a virus in our head, uh, the alcoholism, the resentments, the... Uh, indifference, the rage, the uh, discouragement. Um, we got to go to the source. First of all, I got I got we got to take hold of the of the controls again. Give me that jo joystick. Give me that remote. It's my remote. My house. God has given it to me to enjoy. So you take the remote back and you say, "I thank you God. I have the remote in my hand." I'm waiting for your instructions. I thank you, Father. I have the remote in my hands. <clears throat> your will be done. I thank you, Father, that I messed up. I thank you, God, that my inattention, I dropped my guard, and I spent too much time on this channel and that channel. And you want me to be in the channel of helping others. So today, I'm in that channel of trying to bring some good words to your heart, to your mind, to your soul. So I can live uh, guilt-free, resentment-free. All right, coming to you all the way live from uh, Southern California. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. God bless you. No one told you that. A high five, uh, electronic hug. You know, just, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. You're a good woman, Charlie Brown. All right, let me get my prayers in tune. Let's go ahead and pray uh, the Lord's Prayer, please, to get us started on this uh, teaching from faith to faith, and we're going to do a little Bible reading, too. Ready? God. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, my wife always says that. She sets me up and says, ready? Of course I'm ready. Got my attention. Hey. The woman you gave me, God. Okay, here we go. 
Our Father. Ready? <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. <clears throat> Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. It's amazing when we don't want to do something, we do it. So that's one of the reasons we want to thank God when we're messing up, and then we get hold of the uh, remote back. I thank you, God. <clears throat> See, what we think about, what I talk about, will come about. So what I want to think is that I want to thank God that I lost the remote. <clears throat> I thank God I, I'm not, I don't have any money. I thank God my feet hurt, my side hurts. There's always another side of the coin and the solutions on the other side of the coin. But the key is thanking God to get into that realm. Get it? <clears throat> it can only come from God, folks. I thank you, God. Okay, today, reading from faith to faith. You notice the, the little laughter is, um, and a side note, the little of um, my body is trying to laugh because of all these readings are taking effect. When we have a good day reading, when we have, uh, we're away from emotional disaster and all that stuff, and poor me and all that stuff. The fact of the matter is, is I'm not reading enough. We have a hard drive. We have 26 hard drives in our brains. Science tells us that we can learn 26 different languages. So you got a hard drive that needs to be filled with proper dictation, proper words, mathematics, and so forth. And that's through reading, folks, through reading. I believe, I believe, and it's a lot of work. You know it's a lot of work. Some of you don't like to read like me, like I didn't like to read. But now, you see, I try to read every day something. That was a big challenge to get up and record. I don't feel like recording today. I just feel like chilling in front of the TV and let someone else talk. But look, I tried and tried and still trying to do more and get everything that I want to get on these. <clears throat> you know why I'm doing it, right? I'm doing it selfishly. So when I... I'm traveling, or I am older, I can listen to myself. Hi, Fernando. <clears throat> I hope you're better in the future than you are right now, which you are pretty good right now. I just got my uh, stimulus check. Another 600 bucks came in. Woohoo! <clears throat> Another. And we use it for good. We use it to, uh, to keep on keeping on God's will. God's outlook. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, reading today from Faith to Faith, December the 7th. Hope you have a great week this week. Today, Tuesday. Here we go. December the 7th, Kenny Copeland, Press In, it's called. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. Here we go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
Things in this old world aren't getting any better. And in recent times, the Holy Spirit has been speaking an urgent message to my heart. He's been saying, press in, press in, draw in to a more intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. If you don't, you won't make it. If you do, you will see more glorious outpouring of God than you can imagine. If you don't, you won't make it. If you do, you will see more glorious outpourings of God than you can imagine. That message isn't just for me. It's also for the body of Christ, for everyone that's listening. And for every other believer on the earth today, we are in the last days of this age. Jesus is coming soon. It is an exciting time, but it's also a dangerous time. Those who don't do what the Spirit says, who don't press in to the Lord, are going to go from disaster to disaster. But those who do the will defeat the disasters and turn them into glory in Jesus' name. Your first step in drawing closer to God is to realize that you know God first in His Word. Time spent meditating in the New Testament is time spent with Jesus. Most people don't realize that, so instead of getting to know the Lord through His Word, they try to know Him through their feelings, and that just won't work. Letting the Word dominate your thinking is to allow the Holy Spirit to have control over your mind. As you do that, your feelings will eventually fall in line. Remember this, John 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word. That means when you spend time in it, you're spending time with Jesus when when His Word is dwelling in you richly, then Jesus is dwelling in you richly too. Don't go from disaster to disaster. Take those disasters and turn them into glory. In Jesus' name, press into Jesus. Press into the Word and you will make it through these dangerous days just fine. I'm Fernando. I am a Christian in development. This is what I was just saying right now to, for us to press in reading the Word of God. Hey, guys, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, you can do this. 20 minutes in the daytime and then uh, singing songs to yourself, humming to God and thanking Him uh, for all the bad things that ever happened to your life. Thanking Him, you got abused. Thanking Him, you got uh, uh, violated. Thanking Him, you, you you stole, you cried, you act like a child. Thank Him for all the junk in your past life. I'm sure you got plenty of things to thank Him for. Anybody can use this teaching today? Let's go ahead and move over to First John. I mean, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. That's what... Uh, they're uh, recommending that we should read. So let me take you over there. John chapter 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. 
God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's Son and one and only Son. Right, let's go ahead and move on to John 14. I think it's a great entrance. Um, right here in the book of John, Jesus just has finished washing the disciples' feet. And he said, if you're he says, do this for others, and you will be dramatically blessed. And what's that? Well, that's for us, it's praying for others. Uh working hard on ourselves here so we can pick up the uh, a smile when we get out there you know working hard on filling our hopper with the word of god and sobriety and getting those words it's like going to the gym folks doing push-ups and sit-ups and feeling really good about our reading program and that's what we're doing so we can get out there and let others know that that Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. And they're, they're going to go to hell. They don't hit it hard. We know that. <clears throat> okay, Jesus says, if you know these things, he says, do you understand what I'm doing? I washed your feet. You call me, you call me your leader. You call me your master. You call me your warrior, commander-in-chief, teacher and lord. And you are right because that's what I am. I am the creator. And since I, your Lord and teacher, your creator, have washed your feet, you ought to watch each other's feet or backs. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is their messenger more important than the ones who send the message. Now, what you know, now that you know these things, God bless you for doing that. Okay, um, God bless us for doing that. So hopefully we'll cash in on our blessings. I just wanted to read that in the Passion Translation, see what the, that sounds like. This is... Uh, do you understand what I just did? Jesus said, you call me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and master and have just washed 
your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do that for each other, what I have done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. So now you will put into practice... And you will experience of life and happiness enriched with untold blessings. You know, praying for others, you know, for their connection to be in cahoots with the Father and cahoots with their employer and their children and to be all around at ease, that's washing someone else's feet. That, and no, they don't have to know. And we have tons of those people, especially the ones that bug us and eat our lunch, our enemies. But just start with uh, practicing with the others that are humble in the group, humble people that can. They just they just pull your compassion naturally out of your heart because of the things they do. Your grandchildren and anyone around you. Bless them in that form. And, uh, and God, what does he promise us to do to us? To give us more strength to keep on doing what we're doing, right? Makes sense to me. I'm here for the reward, folks. It says, if you don't have faith, you cannot please God. Hebrews. Those who, I want to please the Father. And faith is an action. Faith is putting some wood in the fire first before I can get a heat. That's what faith is. You just sit there and, oh, well. Watching TV, say, "Well, God's not doing nothing. He's not bringing me a, a husband, or, a, or not bringing me a wife." You know, I heard that from people. They're just sitting there and they're watching program after program. Well, I don't feel like doing anything, so God is not moving. You got to move. God has given us that much. He told Gideon, "Go in the faith that you have. Go in the imagination I have given you." constructive imagination go get your ass up and go you know what to do what's right you've done enough of the wrong things come on now year after year after year you're sitting there with a burnt head burnt your remote is so worn out your chair you gotta buy some new ones i'll take your old stuff and sell it i'm talking to you fernando Talking to myself, folks. Don't get all ruffled up. <clears throat> okay. Moving on here, I'm going to try and read. Uh, well, let me read John 14, and then I'm going to jump to uh, John 17 for time's sake. I'm going to get ready for my next session. Don't worry or surrender to your fear, for you believe in God. Now trust and believe in me, says Jesus. My father's house has many dwelling places. If we're otherwise, I would tell you plainly. Before I go to prepare, to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. And you already know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. From now on. This is the Passion Translation, folks. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip, buddy, I've been with you all this time, and you don't still know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me, and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from the Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with the Father, and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of all these mighty miracles I have done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith Believing in me will do the same mighty miracles that I do. <clears throat> Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show that the Father is really like and bringing glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Ooh. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I will live again and you will come alive too. I will live again and you will be fired up too. So when the day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are in one with me for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love him in return and will reveal myself to him. Though one of the disciples uh, named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is it that you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replies, Loving me empowers you to obey my word, and my Father will love you so deeply that will, we will come to you and make our dwelling place. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I am telling you this while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I told you. 
I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Remember that what I told you, that I must go away, but I promise to come back to you. So if you truly love me, you will be glad for me, since I am returning to my Father, who is greater than I. So when all of these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. I won't speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this dark world is coming, but he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. I am doing exactly what the Father destined for me to accomplish, so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Now come with me. John 17. Jesus finishes the work of his Father. This is what Jesus prayed as he looked up into heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you told me to do. So, my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Father, I have manifested who you really are and I have revealed you to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have fastened your word firmly to their hearts and now at last they know that everything i have is a gift from you and the very words you gave me to speak i have passed on to them they have received your words and carry them in their hearts they are convinced that i have come from your presence and they have fully believed that you sent me to present you represent you so, with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I am not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Holy Father, I am about to leave this world to return and be with you. But my disciples will remain here. Holy Father, each one that you have given me, keep them in your name so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. While I was with these that you have given me, I was guardian and guarding them and keeping them in your name. Not one of them is lost, except the one that was destined to be lost, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. But now 
I am returning to you. So, Father, I pray that you will experience, that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you. So that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message. And that it is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegations is no longer to this world. For And their allegiance also is no longer to this world. Because I am not of this world. I am not asking that you remove them from the world. But I am asking you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And I ask not only for the disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their hearing message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us, so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father. But the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them, so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, the prayer that says that we will, uh, God the Father will be revealed more to us, more in our hearts and in these tools that we have to access God's kingdom, his presence and his glory, and most of all, his joy, which is uh, life for us. God's, it's our strength, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Say that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Father, and I ask you that I be joyful with you today, Lord. That's all I'm asking for. Lord, I thank you for all the fires that are around me, all the things I need to do, accomplish, and all the work that has to be done and all my responsibilities and everything, Lord. 
all my past dues and and promises unfulfilled. I just give everything to you and to your throne, Lord God. And I just thank you. And I just pray and hope that I will zero in on you. I just want to be in your friendship today and your joy. That we be together as one joyfully. I ask you for your joy this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, Father, we believe we have it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Go in the words of the Lord. I love you, family. Good morning, family. Welcome to today's podcast. My name's Fernando. I am an alcoholic. Woohoo! Does that make you happy? I'm here fully clothed and in my right mind. I want to thank the judge and the attorney that sent me, the uh, municipal court system of the United States of America here in, in California that had the guts and the true ambition to, to send me to a place where I can have hope, success, faith, and, and hold on to a job and be a, a useful member to society. So to them, thank you very much. If you're in law enforcement and all these uh, dangerous jobs that deal with the lowest of the lowest us when we don't care about our lives and we don't care about anyone around us and we drive emotionally out of our minds because of our drinking and brawling and don't know how to give respect to receive respect. I love you guys. Thank you so much. You uh, judges out there, linear thinking judges that are uh, ambitious about fixing society. God bless you. Hope you're listening. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and open this meeting with the uh, Lord's Prayer, because if you have to go, at least you got the Lord's Prayer, and we said it in union, which brings in the presence of our higher power to make us good for today. Please join me in saying the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We have another prayer, it's called the prayer, the third step prayer, and it goes like this. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou would. 
Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. All right, let's get us started. Today's daily reflection is for December the 7th, true ambition. True ambition is not what we thought it was. True ambition is the deep desire to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of God. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 124 to 125. During my drinking years, my one and only concern was to have my fellow man thinking highly of me. My ambition in everything I did was to have the power to be at the top. My inner self kept telling me something else, but I couldn't accept it. I didn't even allow myself to realize that I wore a mask continually. Finally, when the mask came off and I cried out to the only God I could conceive, the fellowship of AA, my group, and the 12 stairs were there. I learned how to change resentments into acceptance, fear into hope, and anger into love. I have learned through loving without undue expectations, through sharing my concerns and caring for my fellow man, that each day can be joyous and fruitful. I begin and end my day with thanks to God who has so generously shed his grace on me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And amen. Now today's uh, reading brings up a couple of points for me. Is uh, I was trying to put, I was I was actually uh, living on resentments, living on fear. What would you call it? Paranoia, and living on anger. Indifference. I was living in indifference to God, to the people, my loved ones around me, for their needs, for what I had created into this world. My, in other words, I was ignoring my responsibilities. Today, to the saying that prayer, you know, everything we need is in that prayer. When we say these prayers and. It squared me up, fixed me up, <clears throat> fixed me up. Okay, little 24-hour little book, little book, December the 7th. When people come back to AA, after having a slip, the temptation is strong to say nothing about it. No other AA member should force them to declare themselves. It is entirely up to them if they are well-grounded in AA they will realize that it's up to them to speak up at the next meeting and tell about their slip. There is no possible evasion of this duty if they are thoroughly honest and really desire desires of living the AA way again. When they have done it, their old confidence returns. They are home again. Their slip should not be mentioned again by others. They are again a good member of AA. Am I tolerant of other people's mistakes? Meditation for the day. It is in the union of a soul with God that strength, new life, and spiritual power come. 
Bread sustains the body, but we cannot live by bread alone. To try to do the will of God is the meat and support of true living. We feed on that spiritual food. Soul starvation comes from failing to do so. The world talks about bodies that are undernourished. What of the souls that are undernourished? Strength and peace come from partaking of spiritual food. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may not try to live by bread alone. I pray that my spirit may live by trying to do the will of God as I understand it. Okay, again, it is in the union of a soul with God that strength, new life, and spiritual power come. Bread sustains the body, but we cannot live by this bread alone, but if we try to do the will of God is the meat and support of true living. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Yep. I agree with this message. <laughs> uh, it was very evident when I came in into Alcoholic Anonymous that... Um, I was void of hope, faith, love. I couldn't even pay attention, folks. That eluded me too. So I absorbed, observed, looked, pondered, and enjoyed your coffee, your your statements, and the way you spoke about yourself and not spoke at me, but spoke about yourself. I really enjoyed that. That allowed me to... Uh, to come to, to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Uh, exactly what happened, folks. Uh, alcohol just cleaned my slate. It just took away every uh, principle, every common uh, preservation of ideas um, from me. So I needed a format for living and Alcoholic Anonymous is a best one for this guy to keep me in tune. You know, we're, we're, we say more prayers than more churches out there. We're open and available for people, um, you know, and on one day than most churches out there. You know, all of them. I mean, if we put AA together, and, and I don't know how many meetings they were before COVID in, in the Los Angeles area, anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 in one day, incredible. And those are the meetings that are registered, not the ones that are parked here and there in people's homes, private, you know, people's sponsoring with meetings and so forth. It's amazing. It's amazing. We only can see it's miracle. It's miraculous. The beauty is that there's a God, and He's looking over us. I mean, we have won the lottery, folks. Did you get your stimulus package of 25 tons of gold, your your 12-step stimulus package? I did. I have. I asked for it, and I'm asking for the ones who uh, don't care for it. I'm asking for their portion. I'll take theirs, too. Thank you very much for listening today. Let's go ahead and finish off with the uh, serenity prayer and the seven-step prayer, please, because we need it. Okay, seven-step prayer, please. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, of thy love, 
of the way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Okay, the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm pretty sure my creator is pretty happy with us today. God bless you. Greetings, reading today from Chicken Soup for the Recovering Soul, out of page two, An Angel Wore Fur. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. A bleak winter night closed over Detroit. For a lone, unsteady figure ruling along the wet pavement, the weather only seemed to punctuate how cold and dark his life had become. Tom had bailed out without a parachute and was now plunging at top speed towards a sudden stop. He had no way of knowing that just around the corner in a narrow, unlit alley, an angel awaited. Tom had poured himself into a business only to see it wither and die. At 30 years of age, everything was lost, including his spirit. Alone, broken, hope in the future gone, the IRS, bill collectors, and landlords were suffocating him. He escaped into alcohol and drugs. Addiction was squeezing him tighter and tighter. His will gone. He staggered along the street that winter night, drinking and drugs ruled his existence. Tom called a cheap fifth-floor walk-up home, but he preferred not to use the front door as serious bill collectors often stalked the area. He learned to come and go on a metal fire escape hanging in the alley at the rear of the building. Steadying himself against the wall and trash cans, Tom groped along the darkened corridor, but a night spent feeding his habits was too much, and with the last spark of consciousness fading, his body crumbled to the freezing asphalt. Slowly, very slowly, a strange sensation pulled Tom back up. Something wet was making quick, short, abrasive strokes over his face. As he laid on his back, another observation crept into Tom's clouded mind. There was a weight on his chest. His hand moved to investigate. Fur? What the? His eyes snapped open and he found himself nose to nose with a very large cat. Startled, he scrambled to his feet with all of the speed his condition would allow. Finding the fire escape, he clambered up the five floors to his apartment. The next day found Tom a bit more in control. 
Descending the iron steps, he was surprised by the cat leaping from a pile of cardboard boxes to greet him. Big, black, short-haired, and wearing a collar. Tom thought the cat had to belong to someone in the neighborhood. So he began walking the street, hoping if the cat recognized his home, he would go to it. As if an invisible leash tied the two together, the cat matched Tom stride for stride. Tom and the cat were still walking when the sun slipped from the sky. Returning to his apartment, he and the cat parted company at the fire escape. A violent winter storm gripped Detroit the following day. Tom stayed inside and gradually a tiny cry caught his attention. Opening the window, he was amazed to see the snow-covered cat looking up at him, meowing softly. It had struggled up five icy flights of steel steps and bypassed several other apartments to present himself to Tom. Looking down at the pitiful creature, he opened the window a little wider and his new friend darted in, tail fully erect. Life hadn't yet bottomed out for the pair. In the next few months, they were forced from the apartment and onto the street. Sleeping in doorways, Salvation Army collection boxes, and flop houses. Tom always felt that warm little body next to him, no matter where they passed that night. By now, Tom was so entangled in his own hopelessness, drugs, and alcohol, he desperately looked for a way out. Sitting in an isolated river, he held a loaded revolver in his hand, cocking and uncocking the hammer, putting the barrel in his mouth, then taking it out. He just needed a little spark or nudge, and all of his troubles would be over. As he repositioned the gun barrel in his mouth, a persistent nudge gently pushed his hand and the gun away. Tom glanced down into the golden eyes staring up from his lap. Hey, if I do this, he thought, who would take care of the cat? Putting the gun away, he laid back on the grassy river bank and slept. Each time over the next few years, when his will to hold on weakened, the cat was there, staring deep into Tom's very soul. There was no bolt of lightning or clap of, or of thunder, no inspiring revelation, but slowly and for reasons he still doesn't understand, Tom, starting fighting for control, Eventually, he walked to the front of a room full of strangers and said, Hello, my name is Tom, and I am an alcoholic. <clears throat> he found work and began putting his life together. Eleven years had slipped by since his friend found him in the dark, cold alley. Tom came home from work one evening and after dinner sat down to watch television, as he had done for so many years. The cat snuggled down into his lap. Looking down, Tom gently struck his friend. You know, Tom spoke softly. You've really been here for me when I needed you, and I think I'm getting myself together. I'm going to be okay. If you want to leave or check out, you don't have to stay on my account. Then Tom dozed off, his chin falling forward to rest on his chest. Only a few minutes passed when Tom awoke and immediately he knew his friend was gone. 
Those golden eyes that spoke so clearly for so many years were closed forever. The story comes to us from John C. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful story. I believe I read that before, but it's good sharing it again. Let's see, what else we got here? What other story? Uno mas. I like stories of alcohol. That, that was similar to my story. I had the IRS, district attorney, bill collectors, nowhere to live, drunk. Uh, but I didn't have a gun. I probably was not that much in despair. But I did go to Alcoholic Anonymous, thanks to the courts. Okay, our next story is uh, called The Heap. The Heap. A lot of people buy old cars and then drive and drive them until they are much older. The definition of old begins over 120,000 miles. These cars get so old that it is difficult to tell one from another. They all began to look alike inside and outside, but they get the job done again and again. They gain respect, a place in the family, and even acceptance and understanding of frequent breakdowns. If you work in a drug and alcohol treatment facility, the sight of an old family automobile delivering a patient is common. Once they are there, the driver hurries inside with, I got him this far, somebody help. Cars rust, rusting must start inside somewhere, then it just pops out in spots through the paint. Once it starts, it goes fast from a speck to many specks to a whole part. It's the same with addicts. Rusty cars are hard to remember new. Their vexations blot out the memory of their charm. Their accessories and even particular model year it takes concentration to call up the original image. It's the same with alcoholics. The rusty 12-year-old auto with 180,000 miles on it brought the blonde, blue-eyed young man with the effects of 12 years of drinking and drugging on his body to the door of the treatment center. The car and the young man had started their rusting at the same time. Dad tried to get the 210-pound body out of the back seat, but only succeeding by getting his son turned onto his stomach with his hair, hairy legs sticking stiff out of the back door. He went inside for help. Mom sat in the front seat, staring straight ahead, but not listening to the half-anesthetized, slobbering snore. There was an occasional grunt or a moan, which was it. She couldn't tell. She didn't dwell on it. She was half thinking on the sad curiosity of times and events that rush people. When did the first spots appear? When did decay set in? When did the child's acceptance turn to rebellion? When did the blue in the eyes become matched with the red instead of white and perhaps next yellow? When did the tiny, soft, pink, kicking feet become rough and dirty embedded? When did this coarse, dirty black hair replace the smooth, curving 
velvety kissable skin When did the smell of baby powder and baby lotion turn to the odor of an unbathed body and secondhand whiskey and cigarettes? When did a spit up turn to throw up? When did wet diapers turn to wet undershorts? Sad, so sad, the baby is still in there with a rusting body and short circuit brain to deal with whatever life is left. She blinks tears away and her Whence turned to what's? What happened to the adventurous son Hugh, whose methodical searching of a fascinating world became an intense panic for another fix, another drink, another free fast meal, or fuzzy memory fornication? <coughs> what happened to the athlete whose gazelle like? Gal became a device to stay ahead of trouble. Accountability and responsibility. What happened? His innovation to deception. His persuasiveness to manipulation. An authoritative nature to bullying. What became of the energy? The schedules and numerous small jobs that were replaced by lethargy, wanderings, and big deals. What happened to the many noisy friends whose visits to the house were replaced by whispered phone calls to just a few? She blinked again, but her wants did not turn to wise. Spending days such as this, many days over, was not unusual in her life. Wasting time is normal. Interruption is normal. Angry is normal. Broken promises and no plans are normal. She came from an alcoholic family. She married an alcoholic. Now her son is an alcoholic and an addict. That seems normal. She cannot question the why of normal. Not even the why of how come all these heaps around me are alcoholics and not me. Why am I spared? Why am I not more upset and even now myself drinking over the death and disappearance of my baby laying on the back seat. These things are too sad to ponder. She decided as she shifts her own 210 pounds to reach the glove box and her stashed Twinkies behind Dad's pint. The bra strap over her giant breast prosthesized break again. You are all such rusting heaps she reflects without emotion once again as she bites into the spongy cake. Oh well. Before her teeth meet the creamy center, she already feels the familiar surge of comfort and excitement that will last but a few minutes. Oh well. And the gurgling, resting baby on the back seat continue his death rattle. Epilogue. Three hours later, the young man was in severe withdrawal. Three days later, he was successfully detoxed. Three weeks later, he received a medallion for compelling alcohol and drug rehab. Three months later, he received a chip for attending 90 12-step meetings in 90 days. 
Three years later, he was employed as a certified unit counselor in an alcohol and drug treatment center. He later became a Ph. director of such a center, God Cared. Joseph R. Cruz, medical doctor. Wow. Wow. That was his story. He became a doctor. Only by God, by God's grace, only by a 12-step program, by caring individuals that have compassion and pass the message. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Limitless love for December the 9th. Don't turn out the lights. A reading from Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's book out of Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and 18 says, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as other Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. As believers, we're simply not supposed to live like worldly people. For them, things like selfishness, Bitterness, anger, strife, and gossip, Ephesians 4.31, are just as normal part of life. Their understanding is darkened and their hearts are blinded, so they can't see any other way to live. As Christians, we know better. The light of God has shined in our hearts and revealed God's truth and love. When we willingly step back into those old ways, our thinking and behavior, however, our minds are blinded again. When we let those and attitudes come back, we end up walking in darkness until we repent. Then having alienated ourselves from the life of God, when we need healing in our bodies, we find ourselves unable to receive it. When we need divine wisdom to solve a problem in our life, we just can't seem to lay hold of it. We cut ourselves off from the light of God so His Word, His revelation, cannot flow from our spirit up into our minds or out into our bodies. Wait a minute, someone might say. How can that be? I thought that God within us absolutely light, then in him there's no darkness at all. That is absolutely true. There is no amount of darkness that can overcome the light of God in your spirit, no matter how dark the world around you might become. It can never dim the light you have in him. When you make a decision of your will to walk in that light, no amount of darkness can penetrate it. And when you choose to turn out that light by walking in strife instead of in love, you'll find yourself stumbling around in darkness again. When you step over into unforgiveness, disharmony, or envy, those things interrupt the spiritual power current that is flowing from God to you. 
Although he still wants to bless you and help you, his hands are tied. His power cannot get through you. You are left without his light and without his protection. So the devil can't come crashing in to your life to steal, kill, and destroy. The choice is yours. You can choose to walk in the light or you can choose to walk in darkness. God has set before you life and death, blessing and curse, light and darkness. Deuteronomy 30.19 Choose to walk in the light. Amen. And now we're going to go read Faith to Faith. Can I cope them? Oh, I have no internet connection. Hang on, please. Got plenty of apparatuses here. Janet Copeland. You know, uh, for me, that faith, walking in love, requires a lot of reading. Uh, like, you know, First John 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and then reading it out loud for a year brought love. Not only love, it brought finances, brought all kinds of stuff. Best thing that ever happened to me, read. I heard Kenny Copeland say one time that if you have financial difficulty, go ahead and read that for a year. Read it. And your financial difficulty will be over. I said, how can that be possible? You read something, and then it's going to it's gonna be fixed in a year. And sure enough, uh, it happened. And I also read John 14, 15, 16, and 17, which was a lot of love. I think the, the love of God is mentioned about 60 times in in those uh in those days 60 times folks so i was walking naturally in love i felt the love of god i walked with the love and so it got better things got better it's a lot of work most of us are not going to do it i can't get myself to do it again or i forget here we go from faith to faith. And we're, we're always tested, by the way. We're always being tested. I always got to keep my shield up, my shield of love. Love, the secret of success, December 9th. <laughs> there you go. Kenny Copeland, love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, the Amplified Bible. Fear of failure, it's haunted all of us at some time in our lives. Fear of failure. Popular psychology tells us to adjust to it. But the word of God tells us that there is failure-proof way to live without it. It is the way of love. If you want to know real success, you must learn to be moved and motivated by love. That's how Jesus was when he was on the earth. Even when John the Baptist was sensibly, brutally murdered, and Jesus went away to be alone, he didn't deviate from the way of love. For, for Matthew 14, 6-14 says, that even then, in that emotionally taxing time, 
when the people follow him and will give him no solitude, he would move with compassion and heal their sick. I used to wonder how Jesus could just turn away from that terrible crime and not retaliate. What I didn't realize was that he did retaliate. He overcame the works of Satan with compassion. He defeated hatred with love. He attacked Satan in the spirit realm by destroying his works of sickness and disease. Compassion doesn't strike at the surface of things. It goes to the root of the problem. That's why it, it always succeeds. But wait, you may say, I can't operate like that. I'm not Jesus. Yes, you can, because the Word of God says that His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. Romans 5, five. The Word of God says that His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And 1 John 2.5 says, His love is perfected in you as you keep His Word. There it is. Commit to living the life of love today. Watch God turn failure to success at home, at work, in any situation. Love never fails. Additional scripture reading is in Matthew 14, 1 through 14. Let's go over there. Let's read that. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and, and give us success in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Matthew 14, chapter 1 through 15, I believe. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do so much miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife, Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, It is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. After mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on the tray. Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowds and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Amen. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is the remote place, the wilderness, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. 
But Jesus said that that isn't necessary. You feed them. Well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and prayed, and blessed them. He blessed the breads, the molecules. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to his disciples, who distributed to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.